0: Welcome back to another edition of The Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you in the greater Cleveland area, office down in Bradenton, Florida as well for you snowbirds out there. Uh, You can check us out online by going to skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Scott brings more than 20 years of experience to the table each and every time we talk finances here on the show. And Scott, good to be with you once again, my friend.
1: How you been? I'm doing well, Walter, and starting to enjoy summertime. Nice. Yeah,
0: we're officially into it beyond, uh, as by the time this episode releases, beyond Memorial Day. So, official, officially summer now.
1: We don't take summers for granted like people do down in the south, like in Florida, right? It's, you know, it's nice there all the time. Yeah. You know, but up here in Cleveland, you know, summers are perfect, and we're like 70s, 80s, and, uh, you know, we try to take advantage of it.
0: You have a very uh, definitive start and end to your summer, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, I I had something funny to tell you. Um, We, to kind of celebrate the start of summer as well, went out to eat, and we went to a French restaurant, and it's the first time I've ever actually eaten at a French, like a truly French cuisine place. Mm -hmm. And so I had escargot for actually the very first time. Uh, I consider myself to have a relatively cultured palate, but just had never kind of come across the opportunity to eat some escargot.
1: So are you a fan? It was phenomenal. I loved it. Boy, I had it so long ago, I don't even know if I can remember. I mean, I love mushrooms, and they actually
0: served it with mushrooms. And I couldn't tell the difference Mm. between what was a mushroom and what was the snail. (laughs) I (laughs) thought they were pretty spot on. Maybe the snail just had a slight bit more kick of salt, but they were very similar in texture and and even flavor as well. I mean, the sauce that they served it with was tremendous. And the the waiter did say that it was an entry-level escargot. So I suppose maybe there are some less appetizing or more defined palette versions of escargot so we had the beginners escargot but i thought it was great
1: yeah you know there's not there's not a lot of at least around here there's not a ton of french restaurants right i don't know why but uh i had escargot years ago and uh from what i recall i enjoyed it but i do remember that meal i decided to go with the duck Ooh and mm -hmm and uh
0: they were you know, out of duck that was gonna be that's kind of why we went and then they were out of the duck unfortunately
1: and, and duck's okay but it's not great i mean at least for me it's a little too oily really i like duck yeah I mean, i'm a
0: big fan but i've i've had true real deal peking duck for, in in china um ooh. and way more of it than any human should probably ever eat in a short span of time when i was over there several years ago i was very fortunate to eat several Peking duck meals and uh, boy you want to talk about something tasty they knew they knew exactly how to cook duck it was
1: all incredible. right now i you know i would i would definitely try that yeah
0: it was so good the crispy skin was just absolutely out of this world wow yeah it was like butter it would you just put it in your mouth it would just literally melt the entire the entire piece of duck it was it was really something i can still taste it even to this day uh, some what 14 years later 15 years later wow yeah I'm
1: getting hungry now (laughs)
0: <laughs> I don't know why we started off on food. Oh, I think it was because before the show we were talking about what you were cooking for Memorial Day and we were talking about yes. barbecue and sauces and all those yes. kinds of
1: things. Yes. Right? Yes. We were hungry
0: when we started. That's right. We'll probably be hungry when we end, Scott, but uh, Yes, I'm always hungry. That's right. That's true that never really stops. Uh, well, let's get to uh, let's at least feed the listeners some great financial information on today's show. How about that? Ooh, that's nice leading. Good little segue. Uh, we're yeah. going to be talking about do retirees really need life insurance so good old ned from uh uh uh, groundhog day is going to make an appearance on today's show as we talk (laughs) about life insurance but we're not gonna we're not gonna run ned off like people do in groundhog day right we're not gonna be like bill murray and just tell him off and you know tell him to get out of our face we're gonna listen to ned a little bit and see what kind of (laughs) wisdom he has to share with us on the show today Uh, We're also going to answer a question from one of our listeners before we wrap up, which I think you should stay tuned for because steven has got a question and it's got some uh, longer details to it. It's a little bit more involved question, but it has to deal with being an executor on an estate of someone in the family and someone's living in the house and there's kind of some complications there. So we'll kind of weave our way through that question at the end of the show, Scott, and the TV and movie review makes a return on today's episode. So we've got some new TV and movie review recommendations for you before we wrap things up a little bit later on. All right. Um, Let's get to it all, Scott, starting with that life insurance talk. You know, it's kind of a young man's game, I think. Life insurance is perceived to be that way. As you get older, people assume that you really don't need life insurance anymore. We really want to kind of propose the idea of is that the case and explore maybe some of the ins and outs of life insurance Various uses and opportunities where maybe it can be used as you right. get to later on in life, but let 's just start with the basics and first of all, why is life insurance kind of this hated topic or a dirty word for a lot of people? Why do we have that image of Ned from Groundhog Day in our minds who 's you know the annoying life insurance guy who walks up
1: to you on the street you know that it 's funny you say that when I teach college classes and when during the classes when i 'm teaching and we go over life insurance, I always say, you know, it's it's the dirty word no one wants to talk about. Because it is true for a lot of people. And I think it may have came come from maybe a couple different, you know, reasoning behind that. I think the first thing is that, you know, when you're talking about life insurance, you're talking about dying. And I think a lot of people simply don't want to deal with that or don't want to talk about dying. And uh, yeah, who wants to dive
0: so, into that topic in depth, right?
1: Right. So I think people avoid it because of that. And then The second thing kind of comes with that stigma of, uh, you know, the life insurance salesman coming to your house and trying to push you to buy a $10 a week policy that you don't even know if you really need. And, you know, I I think it was kind of the, you know, the insurance salesman kind of uh, stigma is not always pleasurable for a lot of people. So... You know, the combination of those things together is, is I think, why you know, people kind of avoid life insurance.
0: And it makes sense when you really put your mind to it and start thinking about uh, all those reasons why. Um, so, But let's try and buck that on today's show because yeah. we're not trying to sell you anything. This is educational, informative. Maybe this will spark something that you haven't thought about or known about life insurance before. So first of all, I guess when we start having that conversation about life insurance, because when you're talking about a full-blown financial plan, there's a difference, right, between somebody just trying to sell you Mm -hmm. a policy in a one-off situation versus viewing it in the full context of a financial plan. So if you're in that context, Scott, where somebody's kind of talking to you about their plan, uh, what they've saved for retirement, where life insurance fits into the picture, how do
1: you determine if they even have a need for it in the first place? You know Walter, that's a good point because I think it all starts with that holistic financial plan. Getting that whole look of somebody's situation, getting an idea of what their wishes are, what their needs are, what they're trying to do with their family. Because there's different uses for life insurance. So, first of all, you, you might have a younger a younger couple where they need life insurance for income replacement. So, for instance, if the main breadwinner, husband or the wife passes away, that there is some money there in order to be able to take care of their family make sure that their spouse you know can take care of the kids that there's enough money there to send the kids to college pay off the mortgage whatever the case may be so you know, that's when you're looking at the financial plan there may be a gap in there maybe if there's a premature death you need to kind of fill a void for a certain amount of years to make sure that there's money available To make sure that that plan continues on and the other spouse is comfortable so that's one use of life insurance and that is one need then another need may be for uh, estate planning needs so for instance we've got a large balance in an ira we know taxes are going to have to be paid at the second spouse's passing by the children we may have a life insurance policy that's there to pay for those taxes. Because don't forget life insurance goes tax-free to the beneficiaries. So that may be another need for life insurance in that you can prepay some of the taxes upon your passing. Or you can use life insurance too for accumulating cash. You can build tax-free cash inside of life insurance policies. As long as you take the money out via loans, that money's all gonna be tax-free. So when you do that overall financial plan, a good, financial planners going to be able to see those holes. Oh, we need to fill an income gap here. Oh, we're going to have a tax issue here. Boy, we should really start to accumulate tax-free cash. And then they could talk about the different products out there and, you know, exactly which ones are going to fit and work for you.
0: It's just having that good conversation about what's a good fit. And that should be where it begins. Not so much on mm-hmm. how much, but so much more on the need behind it. Then once you get that answered, we can move on to the question of, all right, well, now how much? Because I remember when we kind of purchased life insurance for the first time, my wife and I just kind of beyond what I think she was covered under a very small, like sometimes your work will have like a small policy Mm -hmm. that you're automatically included into or that you can opt into. And I think I had something similar with my first job. But when we went out on our Mm -hmm. own and purchased our first true life insurance policies, yeah, it was kind of like I don't know. I mean, what's what's appropriate, right? I mean, do you base it off of how much you still owe on your on your home, or is it worth it to put a million dollar life in pol- insurance policy on yourself? I, you know, I don't want to make myself seem too important or more valuable dead than alive,
1: right, Scott? Right. <laughs> that's know? a that's always that joke, right, where the wife right. says her husband's worth more than dead than when he was alive. But you know what when when you're trying to determine the right amount of insurance that's needed if you do that plan first it's going to be very obvious because you're going to say okay well if we want to pay off the house we want to make sure we have x amount of income for so many years so your spouse can take care of the children uh you you can come up and get that right dollar amount it also comes into affordability too there may be times where we say okay you're going to need X amount of life insurance, but maybe they can't quite fit that in the budget. So then we need to, you know, make some compromises there and try to figure out not only that right amount, but what you know they're able to, to comfortably be able to pay when we're, we're talking income replacement. Then, you know, and, and the same thing holds true too when when we're trying to, to fill a, a tax obligation by using life insurance. We can kind of guesstimate, though we don't know exactly what tax rates are going to be in the day that you die. We can kind of guesstimate, come up with a little bit of a, you know, an idea of where we're going to be, maybe inflate it up a little bit for increased taxes, and then you know, kind of get us to a, to a number there. And the same thing with the cash accumulation. That's a little bit of a different animal because that's driven more by you want to get the least amount of insurance that you possibly can for the amount of money that you're going to be putting into that policy to accumulate that tax-free cash. That way it doesn't drop or uh, it doesn't drop your cash value too much because of the cost of insurance, because the more insurance you get, the more expensive it gets just like a term policy or something like that. So again, it, it leads back to having that holistic plan to start with. And then all those numbers are going to start to fall into place. All right, so
0: we determine do we have the need, and then we start talking about the amounts. Now let's look beyond that, beyond the basics of just sort of the the beginning idea that most people are aware of when it comes to life insurance, sort of replacing that lost income of a loved one. What are some strategic uses of life insurance that may not be as obvious to some people, and have you used some of these with your clients before?
1: Well, I think I've already kind of alluded to a couple of them. Uh, Number one is to... To pay a future tax obligation at your death, uh, most people, when they think of life insurance, they're just thinking of if I die to make sure that my spouse is taken care of, and that's the primary use that most people think of with life insurance. But again, it's paying maybe some of that that tax obligation in the future, um, so that that you have to remember when you utilize life insurance, you're utilizing leverage. So. If you put a dollar in, it may turn into $4 tax-free. So you can almost prepay at a discount some of those taxes. Another thing is cash accumulation. Life insurance is the original tax-free growth and accumulation investment vehicle out there. You can put money into a life insurance policy as much as you want. It's not limited like a Roth at uh, seven thousand dollars a year, you could put fifty thousand dollars in for five years if you wanted to, and that money will go in there and it 'll start to grow it can be invested in indexes or you know there 's variable insurance that you can buy mutual funds inside there, and that money grows and it grows and it starts accumulating and like I said, if you take that money out via withdrawals out of that policy, you can have a tax-free bucket of money to fund your life insurance. I mean, to fund your retirement with your life insurance. Another thing, too, is there's long-term care riders on some of these policies. So you can get a life insurance policy and also protect yourself from a nursing home at the same time. So you know, there's many, many, many other uses for life insurance, but those are probably the biggies that we utilize a lot with people. Um, Just an example is I I had someone in here the other day and a large IRA balance, and we're trying to do Roth conversions and trying to minimize that tax liability to their kids. Uh, We can only do so much Roth conversions and be able to do it in, in in an affordable manner as far as paying taxes. So we knew eventually we were going to have this tax liability later on down the road. So we, what we did is we bought a life insurance policy in order to fund those, those tax liabilities down the road, because what you're focusing on is the net after-tax amount to the kids. And this particular client, he's like, you know what? My main focus is making sure that I have enough money to retire, but I certainly don't want to give more monkey, money to Uncle Sam than I need to. So if I buy this policy, I'm going to maximize the amount of money that goes to the children. And even though we still have to pay Uncle Sam, it's not going to be coming out of my kid's pocket. All great points, I think, Scott. And um, I want to
0: get into one more section of this conversation a little bit with you. And that is the type of insurance, because this is then obviously where I think a lot of questions start swirling around and maybe where some of the confusion comes from as well. Just like with an annuity discussion, we get into the fact that there are lots of different types of annuities that really probably Mm -hmm. should all have their own name rather than being called an annuity just because they end up being so different in We make it easier. Yeah, just to make it easier. Uh, Same thing maybe in life insurance because we have term, permanent, and then even universal life insurance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What are those? How does that conversation of which type to have usually go with your clients?
1: Well, a lot of it kind of is – is determined on what the need for the life insurance is. So term insurance is insurance that is in place for a certain amount of time. Maybe it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. You pay a premium every month, quarter, year, however way you want to set it up. That policy doesn't build any cash inside there. You're basically just paying for the insurance coverage. Then at the end of the time period, it's gone. So this may be something that would be good for an income replacement type of scenario. Say, hey, you know what? You know, in 20 years, my kids are going to be out of college. Uh, How should we be paid for? We only need coverage for 20 years. And term is also the cheapest. As far as you can get the most amount of insurance coverage for the least amount of premium. So when you're a younger family and you're trying to, you know, do the income replacement, or if you're older and you only need it for a few years, then term insurance might be something that fits very well in there. Whole and universal life or variable universal life or index universal life, those are all what are called permanent policies. So they build cash value inside there. You're going to be paying a little bit more of a higher premium because that policy will last forever as long as you continue to pay your premiums. And the big differentiator here is that it is permanent. So you could have this at age 100, 90, 95, whatever the case may be. Well, you can imagine the cost of insurance on a 90, 95 or 100 year old is very expensive. So what happens is that it takes that premium out of your cash. You're still paying money in there, But you're paying when the early years, you're paying a little bit extra than what the cost of insurance is. So that money starts building up in there. Then when you get older, the cost of insurance is higher than what you're paying in on a monthly basis. And so it's starting to pull out of that cash value. So these are designed for longer term kind of scenarios. And and a whole life versus universal whole life is usually gives you a fixed interest rate. It's not adjustable, you can't play around with the amount of coverage you get. Universal, you've got a little flexibility. If you're several years into your policy, you might be able to skip a month or two of payments and then catch them up later on. You can reduce your face amount and, and make those types of adjustments to it while you can't necessarily always do that with a whole life insurance. You know, Walter, I'll kind of use myself as a scenario because myself personally, I have a term policy i've got you know three kids in college i've got a 12 year old so i've got a term policy that goes for another 10 years now it was a 20-year term i bought 10 years ago so that is there that if i get hit by a bus on my way home from doing this podcast that that money then pays out to fill the income uh gap that would be missing because I passed away so that would take care of sending my kids to college it would take care of paying off the rest of the house it would you know allow my wife to be able to stay home and not be able to have to work so she doesn't have to worry about taking care of the 12 year old being home when she gets off the bus all that stuff so I got a term policy for that but I also have a universal life insurance policy I'm doing that for different reasons Number one, I want to have permanent insurance once that 20-year term is done and another 10 years. I'll have something, it's a smaller policy, but I also want to build tax-free cash inside there. So I pay that policy all the time too. So there might very well be several different types of insurances that someone may need to suit what their situation is.
0: I think it's interesting to view them as not an either-or proposition, but a way to use uh, the different life insurances to create something that's a little bit more holistic and, and fills in any gaps in your plan. And when it comes down to it, we're just talking about one element of the financial plan, life insurance. There's lots of other moving parts and pieces that always need to be evaluated whenever you're doing a plan. But hopefully today's show gives you some good insight into uh, what the life insurance discussion should look like. And as you can tell, there's a lot of layers and moving parts and things to indeed discuss. And if you haven't Absolutely. thought that deeply about life insurance before, well, maybe it's time to have that more in-depth conversation as it relates to your financial plan. And if you'd like to set up that time to meet with Scott to kind of go through some of those things, it's easy to do that. Triple eight seven four two zero one eleven is the number to call. Eight 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 seven four two zero one eleven, Or go online to skyboxfinancialgroup.com at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Lots of information there as well. And you can also schedule a time to meet with Scott right now if you go to talktoscott.com, talktoscott.com. And we'll put all those links and contact info in the description of today's show. But there you have it, the skinny on life insurance. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to get to know Scott just a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. Hey. All right, Scott, uh, this is an appropriate getting to know you. Uh, you haven't needed to use your life insurance before, but maybe we'll uncover a time or two when you got close to needing to use that life insurance. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, do you have any scars that come with a memorable story?
1: Well, I do. And, you know, besides the old falling off the bike when I was a kid and having scars all over my knees from crashing. <laughs> right. Uh you know, there was something else that happened with my kid when I was a kid. I used to build model rockets. So, you know, the ones where you put the engines in the bottom and then you would light them off and they yes, get in the air Same here.
0: We'd go to the local school and shoot them off.
1: Yeah, and I did it with my kids too. Though they're all girls, and they weren't quite as excited about it as I was as a
0: kid. But you must have really liked October Sky when that came out, when that movie came out. Yes, Homer Homer Hickam shooting the rockets off and getting in trouble all the time.
1: (laughs) But um, so I was, I was, I had already built my rocket. I went to my with my dad to uh, a field by the Metro Parks here, and uh, just a, a big open field. And we get everything all set up, and I can't remember what the problem was and what I needed to fix, but I pulled out my Exacto knife. And you know those Exacto knives? They're about the world's sharpest little razor blade knives, right? And I was cutting something. At and least I for mi- a few
0: cuts they are.
1: Yes. <laughs> and, and I was cutting something. Anyway, I missed, and I sliced my thumb Ooh. from about midway from my – uh, thumb all the way down to about the base of the thumb, and I slice. I think it was it was pretty close to the bone. Ooh, I mean it it was That's really decent. deep. That's a decent yeah. slice. So I I had this this you know this cut, and of course it's bleeding all over the place and everything, and and uh so I remember you know I think we keep. Yeah, you know, my dad's like put duct tape on it or something. We've stunk, you know, I wrapped it up or something. And uh, we continued shooting at the rocket. Then after that, we decided to go to the emergency room, thinking that I would need some stitches. Well, if I recall this correctly, the uh, wait at the emergency room was just way too long. So <laughs> we're, we're like, the heck with this went home I never had stitches in it so now I've got a scar right all the way down the side of my thumb that I see right I'm looking at right now Wow so uh, yeah you, it, it, instead of it probably would have been
0: maybe a tenth of its visibility compared to what it is now if you'd probably been able to get the the stitches or something like that
1: right right exactly But it's but, your uh, it's your
0: thumb like who's looking at that you know what I mean yeah I mean yeah <laughs> Wow, that's impressive. Uh, Did I tell my finger cut on the toilet story on one of the recent episodes? No, because I certainly would remember a finger cut on a toilet story. Well, so I'll just join you in terms of the finger injury, and uh, I was renovating the bathroom a couple of, uh, well, I guess at this point it's been about two months now. And I was removing an old toilet from my home office. Um, There's like, it's a mother-in-law suite that is my home office. And so, you know, there's a bathroom in there. It's a tiny, tiny little bathroom, but it's got a shower and a, you know, sink and toilet and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the toilet had been in there from the previous owner and was pretty, pretty old and just didn't flush well. And just, it just needed to be updated. My wife was going to be, we were going to be living up in the office essentially for two or three weeks while we were renovating the kitchen. So mm-hmm. she was like, if I'm going to be staying up here and using that bathroom, that needs to be a new toilet. So I was like, all right, yeah, yes, yes, ma'am. Uh, so I was removing the old toilet and I was trying to remove a bolt and I guess it was just stuck and I, I leveraged it a little bit too much to try and get the nut off and it actually mm-hmm. shattered the whole bowl of the toilet. Um, wow. And a, and a piece of the sharp porcelain from when it, you know, disintegrated in, in practically uh, went right into my index finger. Mm. And um, it it's left a big L shaped, L shaped scar in it. Same as you went to the hospital or went to the urgent care to get some stitches. They stitched me up and had stitches in my finger for you know a couple two weeks or whatever. And mm-hmm. I've got a nice little L shaped scar right there on the uh, index finger now.
1: Wow! And you know the the worst thing about that story it was actually it was a toilet, a dirty toilet. I know that went they, into your- they they gave me a
0: tetanus shot while it was there as well. <laughs> So, yeah, it was not fun. They were like, oh, I think that's the first time we've heard of someone being injured by a toilet. Yes. <laughs> I was like, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, there the- was. Uh, it was like the quietest day ever at the urgent care. There was literally not a car to be found in the parking lot. I was the only person there. So we were laughing and having a ball and a good time as they were trying to figure out what to do with this finger because the porcelain made it a really awkward, weird cut. Uh, mm-hmm. The way it kind of went in there it wasn't like a, your usual slice or anything. So it was it was pretty entertaining. We had a good time. And then when I left, the parking lot was full, and they said to me on the way out, you started something. <laughs> they said there was, there was nobody here today, and then now you're leaving, and the parking lot is full. we got people waiting out the door. I was like, well, glad I didn't cut I w- my finger an hour later.
1: <laughs> I wonder if there were other toilet injuries.
0: Yeah, I said, let me know. You have my contact info. Let me know if there anybody else got injured by a toilet. So anyway, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I do wonder that. How many toilet injuries happen in the United States every year? There's got to be a figure on that, right?
1: Well, when you say toilet injury, I'm thinking using the toilet, you know. So true. Or know, falling that, that, off the toilet. I'm sure there's a few of those out there. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. there are people passing out things. or something, hitting their head, right. hitting their heads on a toilet, slipping in a wet Ooh, bathroom. Yeah, that's true. hitting your head on a toilet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those there's got to be quite a few of those too. Yeah, but how many people were cut by a toilet? Oh, Yeah, you you, you may you actually may be the only person. <laughs> Well, I'll be sure to wear
0: gloves next time I'm removing the toilet, I guess, next time, like a thicker pair of gloves. But in any event, that's my injury and scar story. So it pairs nicely with your thumb scar.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. That, <laughs> mine sounds so trivial now. That's right. That's right.
0: Well, there you go. Getting to know Scott a little bit better on today's show. Hopefully, you're not too grossed out by now with all the toilet and uh, blood talk let's move on to something uh, a little bit different time to get to know our listeners a little bit better we've got a good question this week from steven let's get to it it's time for the mailbag we want to hear from you all right steven's got a pretty in-depth question for you here scott uh, so right. we'll get in, we we'll into this uh, steven says i'll try to keep the details brief but long story short, I'm the executor of my deceased mother's will, and my sister is currently living in mom's house. I don't want to kick her out, but I'm afraid that I'm going to need the money from the sale of the house to help fund my retirement, which starts in three months. I have about 600000 saved, but the house would bring another two hundred k, which would make a huge difference. How do I figure out if I'm okay with what I have or if it's worth kicking my sister out?
1: Well, first of all, Stephen, sorry about the passing of your mother, but, you know, I think that, Stephen, at the heart of this whole question is the fact that you need to know the answer to how much you're exactly going to need in retirement. For instance, because you can work in a lot of different ways with your sister. So, okay, you don't want to kick your sister out. That probably makes for very awkward Thanksgiving meals going forward. So. Um, you know, maybe a thing to think about is that, you know, maybe your sister can pay you out of your fair share of that house over time, you know, whether it's making monthly payments, like kind of like a rent kind of thing to you or quarterly or semi-annually or or whatever the case may be. And if you plug that into your financial plan, that might be very well enough for you to you know, that may be a supplemental income. You can add that in along with Social Security or pension or any IRA withdrawals that you're going to be making. And it may work out better because you, you wouldn't have to take as much money out of your IRA. Uh, so you could work at something like that where she pays you out over time. That would be where my first thought would go to see if you could kind of do something like that. And it may it may be work out in in your sister's favor too that you guys sell that house. She takes her two hundred grand. You take your two hundred grand, and uh, maybe she uses that money to get a down payment on another house. You know, in the Cleveland area. I mean, that's a you know four hundred thousand dollar you know home. She could probably get a very nice home for a couple hundred grand and have very little of a payment. So. Um, if you have that financial plan and you have an idea of exactly how much you need, you can, then you, you can be, you know, knowledge is power. You would then have that knowledge to say, okay, well, I could take some monthly income from you. You know, then again, you always run into those issues. It's your sister. Is she going to pay on time? Is she going to call you up and say, Hey, Steven, you know, a uh, car broke this month. Uh, can I just not pay you this month? I'll make it up later on. That's obviously something to consider too, being your sister. Yeah, you, know, you might be more inclined to say, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Then again, but you also don't seem like you have much of a problem kicking your sister out of the house. So I don't know, but um, you know, just they, some things. They, they think may have about. already crossed that relationship divide at some point. <laughs> <perhaps>. <laughs> Maybe, but you know, so so my suggestion would be meet with somebody, get a financial plan together, know how much income you're exactly going to need, and obviously, there's a lot of other. You know, missing parts of your question too, Stephen. You know, do you have what are your living expenses? How much do you have in Social Security? Do you have a pension? Um, you know, how are your assets mixed up? Out of that six hundred grand is, or you know, how much is IRA, four hundred one k? How much is not? So, you know, that financial planner could take that stuff and kind of decipher that and come up with what options will work best for for you and your sister.
0: It's a really good good question, though, Stephen, and thank you for asking that one to us. Uh, sometimes a lot of these questions are boil down to you got to get the plan in place, you got to have the conversation, and start diving into it. There's not a magic bullet answer. You got to run the numbers and look at everything, and uh, have that right. discussion. So, uh, Stephen, if you want to have that discussion with Scott and get into some of the details, all you have to do is call eight 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 seven four two. 0111. Scott can walk you through the full planning process and help get you some more clarity on the situation with the house and, and your sister and all, all that, 888-742-0111. And you can also schedule a time to visit at talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. And we'll put all that contact info in the description of today's show.
1: Just sitting at home with nothing to do. Movie
0: TV review. It's back after a one month hiatus, the TV and movie review segment to close out this edition of the Retirement Toolbox. Scott, what's been on the tube for you recently?
1: You know, Walter, I was just thinking, you know, we call this the Shelter in Place movie review. Right. You know, in not too long we might want to think about renaming the shelter we I mean the segment because we don't need the shelter in place anymore. It's true. You could even go to a, a movie theater nowadays, right? Right. But you know what? I guess You know, it all started with the shelter in place. So maybe we should just say, you know, stay true. This is going to be one of those things
0: that even 10 years from now, it's called the shelter in place movie review. I mean, it kind of makes sense anyway, because whenever you watch a movie, you're sort of like, it feels like almost you're sheltering in place, right? Like whenever you go to the movie theater, don't you, then you walk back out. Don't you feel kind of like Dracula or a vampire when the sun hits you because you've been in a dark hole for two or three hours. So yeah, it's kind of got that embodiment anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It could be. It could be. Um, well, so the movie that we watched was, uh, it's on Netflix. It's called I Care A Lot.
0: Have you heard anything about this? I've
1: not heard anything about it. Mm -mm. I Care A Lot. So it was an awesome, amazing movie. Really? it, It was one of those movies where you are just so frustrated through the whole movie that, It's, it just, it aggravates you. And the whole preface behind this movie is that there's a woman and what she does is she is a guardian for people as they get older, you know, to take care of their financials, pay their bills, take care of all their stuff for them because they don't have anybody else to be able to do this. So she goes to court, gets appointed to be the guardian and then she handles all their bills and everything. Well, she starts taking advantage of it. Normal, healthy, senior citizens. She would go, you know, to the court and you'll have a, she had a buddy of hers that was a doctor and the doctor was saying, Oh, you know what, Mrs. Jones, here's a good candidate for you. Mrs. Jones is, uh, you know, I think she's got a lot of money and, uh, you know, the doctor would kind of falsify some reports. Then she would go to the court with the doctor and say, this person can't take care of themselves get a court order, and then just show up at this person's house saying, oh, I'm now your guardian, and just basically steal all their money and do everything. And it was, uh, it was a really good movie, and uh, it, it, it's definitely worth checking out. Very frustrating. And though. that's Netflix, you said.
0: Yes, Netflix. Okay. I care a lot. I had not heard anything about that one. so
1: Yeah, it's super good, really good. Huh
0: i to check that one out. Very good. I Care A Lot, Scott's movie review or, uh, yeah, not TV show, just a movie review on uh, yes. today's episode. Will you accept a book review instead of a movie or TV show review well, this, for, this, for this episode only? Can I listen to it? Yes, I listened okay. to it. It was an audio book. Okay. It's all an right. audio book version. Then, then it's, version close. it's
1: close enough. Yeah. yeah,
0: okay, all right. Um, so did you ever uh, read or watch The Martian?
1: You, the old TV show? Oh, you mean no, the one the with. More uh, recent
0: one with uh, Matt Damon. Yes, yes. That was a good movie. Okay. Yeah. So the, I read the book before the movie came out, uh, and it was really good. I really liked the book, loved the author. I've read the author's, uh, a couple of other things that the author has done. He had a really famous short story back in the day called The Egg, which you can actually get in audiobook for like a dollar or two. It's not very expensive, it's a pretty short story. Um he's got a whole collection of short stories, including one called The Egg, which is the popular one. Um uh, mm-hmm. but I think you can buy that whole short story uh, you know, blip for just a couple of bucks. Um gotcha. which, which is definitely good. And the egg is kind of cool. It's a little thought experiment kind of thing. Um but anyway, he came out with a, his next it just came out, his next full length novel, and it's called Project Hail Mary. Project Hail Mary. Okay. And uh the very short, I guess, explanation, it's it's a guy who wakes up on a spaceship um, next to two dead astronauts, and he has no idea how he got there, and he has to figure out figure it out from there. So that's all I really want to give you. Um, and okay. actually, audiobook format is perfect for this book because I can't really say anything else. But there's a reason for why the audiobook format actually becomes uh, kind of cool. Like there's an extra little element that made it perfect for audiobook uh, okay. versus even. Just, I mean, I'm sure it's still good in the you know reading form. But mm-hmm. I can't really explain more without saying without giving something away. So I'll just say there's actually something cool about the audiobook book uh, format for this particular book. But basically, it tells the story of him figuring out why he was why he's there and figuring out then his adventure on the spaceship while also flashing back to the time on Earth before he got on the spaceship, basically, as he's recovering his memory on the spaceship, mm-hmm. it's telling that, flashing back and telling that story of, uh, you know, on Earth, kind of what l- the events that led to it. So, so he's
1: kind of piecing it together. He's little piecing little. it
0: together. Yeah. So you're hearing kind of this current adventure and then getting flashbacks to how he got to the current adventure as well. So it's very easy to follow, but also both both stories are interesting. And I, I just thought it was just fun. I, I like sci-fi. I liked The Martian because it was like, science fiction but it's realistic science fiction like in the not too distant future potential science fiction kind of feel it's not like the way out there science fiction of uh you know just like i guess your star wars and star trek where it's all these civilizations right. and you're traveling from planet to planet and laser just, guns and stuff laser like guns that. and you know it's not that kind of science fiction it's Similar to the Martian, in that the whole thing is problem solving, but it's got lots of other moving pieces that the Martian, I guess, didn't have.
1: So, so I just, I just looked it up. It, it's Andy
0: Weir, right? It's Andy Weir. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. It's gonna, it's gonna be a movie. I guarantee it. Uh, Wait, it's d- a, a like sixteen-hour
1: audiobook I don't know if I have sixteen hours. Is it really sixteen?
0: I'll tell you what. what it it went by really fast. You'll, really? Cons- it went by fast. So I listened to it all in the span of two days while I was building a fence. So, wow. It was, it was. It was it was excellent, and the narrator is really good. It's really, I don't know if it says really more, more about,
1: about your fence building skills or your. <laughs> audio. I'm it, not sure. It but. wasn't a
0: very big fence, so it definitely says a lot about my fence building skills. <laughs> it was only a three sided fence, like you know, it just made a little, almost a full square around around the pool equipment. That's all it was. <laughs> so it definitely speaks to my fence building skills. <laughs> I all may right. have I may have done a little yard work in between the fence building too, but yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, so anyway check it out Project Hail Mary that's uh, a slight diversion from the usual movie and TV but I think it will become a, bu- a movie so I'm just pre- pre-telling you go read the book before the movie comes out I just bought it in my Audible account you're gonna love it I think you'll really it's, like it it's, it's done alright very cool uh, that's it great show Scott appreciate your help and guidance as always through our life insurance conversations and for Stephen's question and we'll do this all again on the next episode Absolutely, Walter. Can't wait. All right. That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Soreholt. We'll look forward to talking to you next time, right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go try. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.